The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to episode number 247 of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast, joined, as always, by the very supportive Nick Pollock. Hey, Nick. What is happening? I, I am so supportive because I was there watching your Tout Wars draft today. That and, and you came into the Discord last night to help out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did. A, I did a lot there. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that was that was OK. So a couple of things. One. Um, that was really cool, guys. If you don't have PL Plus yet, you should. I know we sh- we were shills for it, obviously, but seriously, like we mean it. Fast last night said, "Hey, I have Tat Wars coming the next day." That was re- today. We're recording mm-hmm. this on Tuesday, shortly after Tat Wars, and you showcase your entire like strategy and what you're going for, what you're doing, and it was like a filled room of people watching this. It was amazing. It was a lot of fun and I was super happy to have a bunch of people there and a lot of people gave incredibly helpful feedback and some I was able to take and some I wasn't able to take. But like I felt much better about going into the draft today uh, than I did 24 hours ago. Thanks to that talk. So thanks to everyone who did come to that talk. And now here we are and we're done. So yeah. we're actually here's here's the way that the podcast is going to work today. We, we're going to break up a little bit of the SPs. I don't think anyone wants to listen to a full full podcast of a tout breakdown, but I do think because why does anyone want to listen to me talk that much? But we are going to Absolute do, lies, um, but we're going to, yeah, we're going to break down your Tat Wars team a little bit for like 10 minutes. And then we'll yeah. go into, of course, 71 through 80 as well. Yes. 71 through 80. So why don't we go ahead and, and get started? So I guess you're the, you're the host, Nick. You, you host. Oh yeah. So, all right. So here I was, you know, and I was like, I'm, I'm hands off. I'm like, I'm just sitting here like everybody else. I'm, I'm, I know also that if I send messages to you during this, you're like so focused in on it. Yeah, that like you are, you kind of would be upset at me for every message. So I pretty much like, look, I don't expect you to read these. Just ignore these. Turn them off. You, you know me so well. <laughs> so you do. Like, so just, uh, you know, no, no hard feelings. I'm just going to tell you my thoughts as I go on so that you can look back at this later. And I remember this, like first five picks go by. It's Acuna, Tati, Soto, Trout, DeGrom. You're the six. I'm screaming at my computer. Fast take bets. Uh, like to just take bets stop thinking about it i didn't realize that it wasn't refreshing 
So like it stood there for a while before it showed bets on the screen, and then finally uh, showed up with bets, and I was already down to Harper. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> it's like bets. All right, great. And then I realized I needed to set like a ten second auto refresh. So then it comes back around, and you got Degrom, Cole, Bieber, Bauer, and I'm like, "Just take Darvish right now." Like obviously you're taking Darvish. Randone goes, and it, correct me if I'm wrong, but both of these cases, bets and Darvish, you were like, "Yes, I got, I got the guy." Without a doubt. So coming into the draft, I knew it was going to be either Betts, Trout, or, and then I was thinking about Bieber. Um, and I heard a lot of great cases last night. Um, and I am a little bit worried, as Michael had brought up with the, with the deadened ball with Mookie. Maybe that saps a little bit of his power. But overall, sure. I still think you're going to get a good amount of home runs, plenty of stolen bases, or really high OBP floor runs in RBIs. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and pull the trigger there. And the other reason that prevented me from doing um, Bieber was I was like, I think I can get one of Darvish, Bueller, or Kershaw in round mm. two. Oh, wow. That, well, yeah, I know. Well, where that value will, will like adding those two together as opposed to getting like Bieber. And then that would have probably stuck me with Machado and, or, and, and like starting Bieber. I would rather, I would much rather start Bieber Machado. Oh, excuse me, much rather start Betts Darvish than Bieber Machado. Yes. Um, so I, I was really happy. And then when Darvish came around, to be honest, my draft software actually had Walker Bueller a little bit higher. Hmm. Um, so it, like a dollar or two. So I was like, okay. okay, because there's there's two concerns there. One, injury from you, Darvish. Two, yeah. Walker Bueller always just being with the Dodgers. Um, but I ultimately ended up deciding, saying, you know what? He's number four for me for a reason. Uh, and I went with Darvish, and I, I'm just so happy with that start. So uh, the one thing that I messed up with here, guys, is I didn't actually outline what kind of league this is. This is a 12-teamer. Oh, yeah. uh, I believe it's 5 by 5 I mean, can you work uh, uh, work out with us what the actual stats that are being used for this one? So it is 5 by 5 Take away average and replace with OBP. Sure. Take away wins, replace with total innings as a category. Love that. Yeah, Absolutely it's great. Yeah. Um, and then take away saves and add saves holds, which is, oh, love it. I've I've seen actually a couple of people start calling it solds and I'm very much solds on that. that. Yeah. 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 yeah, I'm sorry. I I just, I didn't mean to do that, but you can believe it. Um, now is this a roto or a head to head? This is roto and it's weekly changes. Okay. So you're going to set your lineup in weekly fab and all that. Yes. Weekly fab. You're allowed to unlimited IL. Um, you're allowed to do as many acquisitions. Uh, I think there's a one-time acquisition period. Like you can do it once a week, but you can do as many as you want with a fab budget. Uh, yeah. So, and that's, that's pretty much what makes it unique. Like those, those are the things that make you. So innings are going to be a major priority then focus on guys that we can go longer, less of your say, well, you didn't get Lance McCullers, uh, for example. No, he was taken from me. Yeah. Couldn't get him. 11th round. But, uh, so we're going to keep going here. So Betts, Darvish, then, then third round it comes and Nola's gone, Giolito's gone, Bueller, Scherzer, Glasnow, Castillo. I'm looking mm-hmm. at this and I just I knew that it was Kershaw and he just fell right into your lap. I couldn't believe it. I like truly couldn't believe it. Like I, I was going like back and forth. All right, do I want a hitter here? But I was like, if Kershaw's there, I think there's still going to be plenty of good hitters for me to choose from. And now I don't need to. I didn't need to worry about pitching for another like five or six rounds. Mm-hmm. I just felt so set um, and. Like, obviously, it's like still kind of combining two guys who have a little bit of uh, innings pitched risks. But like, man, that just sets up my floor so well, in my opinion. I know it sounds funny, but like, yeah, it's like me and TGFBI. I took Acuna, then Scherzer and Kershaw, and I felt exactly Mm -hmm. the same way, Uh, which is kind of weird. And 
maybe this is like the strategy I do in 12 teamers now. I don't know. It depends on the kind of how it flows. And if you can find yourself getting to the top 10 that effectively uh, with a stud bat, like, I don't know if I'm going to be doing this if I'm in the back end, like 11, 12, because then whoever the first hitter I get is say it's like Jose Ramirez or Freddie Freeman or something like that. I feel like I need to get an elite steals guy too. Mm. Um, so I probably will go two hitter as opposed to two pitcher in the first three. Yeah. But if you're getting bets, Soto, Tatis, Acuna, then I think I'm okay. I feel better going for the two starters if they fall that way. Yeah. So, so I will say this, this is really funny. So I said, I said to message you saying I predicted the first three rounds, right? Mm-hmm. I did predict the fourth, but I was between two because I mean, it's so fast. I think like every single year. I get Marte. Yeah, least, yeah, you get Stalling Marte. Like every single draft you can, you get Stalling Marte. I just think he's so undervalued. And especially like in this league, he's theoretically, I don't know, I wouldn't call him a five. He's like five tool light. You know what I mean? He's a 2020 guy who's not going to kill you in OBP. Maybe his runs and, and uh, RBIs hurt a little bit because of um, Miami. But like my thinking was, which way are we going? Yeah. So that was, dude, 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 it was back left. around. Uh, even goes to left. So Albies had just been taken. Yes. Um, same with Vlad. I wasn't really thinking of of really taking those guys. I think there were other dudes. Like I was maybe thinking about Merrifield. Maybe I was actually kind of thinking about Corey Seager. I yes, thought that would have been kind I of interesting. You're take because Tatis, Turner, Story, Lindor, Bichette, Bogarts, and Mondesi were all gone. Yeah. And something I've been expressing is like you got it. There are certain positions that get a little thinner. Uh, shortstop, I think Seager was the last. Maybe Tim Anderson, who went the seventh, which I kind of like from Anderson and Clegg, but that was kind of thinking like, oh, okay, I think Fast will probably go and lock up that shortstop position. The And, and I, I definitely crossed my mind. I think the reason that I decided to go Marte is because Seager's biggest benefit is he's going to give you like probably 30 home runs, right? He's going to give you good OBP and he's going to give you 30 home runs. Sure. Um, get, getting bets in Marte allows me to be like, okay, I don't need to hunt for stolen bases for a really long time. As a matter of fact, I can just let the rest of my team sort of slowly compile. I don't need to search them out. And then that directly responded to what I did with the next pick, which was made me really excited was by getting Pete Alonzo because then I'm set. No, I'm not set of course, but I'm feeling pretty good about home runs and stolen bases and runs in RBIs through the first five rounds. Now, did you want Jose Abreu who went the pick before? Uh, it was literally back and forth between Jose Abreu and Pete Alonso. Yeah. I think I had maybe Pete Alonso with a little higher OBP. I had Pete Alonso slightly higher in my rankings, but I would have been happy with either. Whoever sure. whoever was there, I was taking. So uh, I I was a little worried when you didn't take Seager. And essentially, Tim Anderson got off the board. I was like, uh-oh, what are you going to do at shortstop? And we'll talk about that a little bit, just a moment later. Um, yeah. yeah, the Stalling Marte, the second you did, I was like, of course. Like, why would you ever doubt that you wouldn't take Stalling Marte? Because it's literally like every year. It used to be J.D. Martinez and Marte, like the duo of champions for you. I just love um, it. I just think yeah. they're there. <laughs> um, I'm not criticizing it whatsoever. Stalling Marte in the no, first no. round is solid. Um it is kind of funny also going back to Anderson and Clegg. I see that they took Aaron Nola, Zach Gallon, and Kenta Maeda. And I'm like, hey, what's up? <laughs> How are we doing? All right. Um, so uh, Pete Alonso in the fifth. I think that's a solid pick. I think it also really helps considering that Mookie Betts and Stalin Marte aren't those super home run bats. They are mm-hmm. great, but they're not the elite home run guys. And you need one of those. And then it didn't surprise me whatsoever that you went after Liam Hendricks in the sixth. I think some people might think that's a little aggressive considering we have seen cases where closers start going in like the eighth or ninth. 
as opposed to the sixth. But I do know your theory. Either get like the lock of like one of the top three essentially, or then just don't. Well, yeah. So I mean, being in a saves hold league, my original logic coming into this was just like just wait, just like right. really, really wait. And then you, you, I mean, you were there last night. I. I didn't I poured over the projections. It took me a long time to input the projections. But the thing that gave me the biggest headache is how do you value the projections, right? The Roto Lab software allows you so many different ways to value your projections. And that's where it's really, really difficult. So I finally ended up with a valuation system that I felt comfortable using. I think it was like a 66-35 split between hitters and pitchers. And then I used this method that's inside of the software called the PVM method that um, Andrew Perpetua helped me prepare last night. I came up with the proper weights. With all of that done, I had to say to myself, okay, you have to trust what these are at this moment. You know what I mean? You just have to trust what these numbers are. And at that moment, Liam Hendricks is a $41 player, according wow. to the software, right? Because you know he's going to get, doesn't matter, saves or holds. It's not just that. He's going to get you a lot of strikeouts. He's going to get you a low whip, and he's going to get you a low ERA. And I just figured, you know what? I'm not in love with any single person who's on this board right now. And I think there are so many other players that I can get later that I did end up getting at least a few of them. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and pull the string and then I don't have to worry about closer for a long time. So I would, I, I was thinking maybe you were considering a one of JT Real Muto. It is the two catcher league mm-hmm. uh, and Glaber Torres. Cause you didn't have that shortstop uh, situation wrangled or actually tim anderson is probably the one i'd go for uh maybe not if it's obp but uh so yeah that what i was thinking then was like okay if liam Hendricks is 41 and the next closer was like edwin diaz i was like 27 yeah well that's yeah, 20 dollars yes. exactly that was everything that fueled it because it was like you're right i looked at torres i looked at anderson and then i thought like okay i could probably still get another guy i actually had Semyon pretty high up um, so so yeah, that, that was your answer in tenth in the tenth round. You did go semi in, which I really do like. I think semi is getting undervalued, especially being in Toronto. Roster resource currently has him slotted second in that mm-hmm. lineup. I can't express enough how good the Toronto Blue Jays lineup is, and I want to get pretty much everyone in it. Lourdes Gurriel Jr., uh, Kevin Biggio, um, even though they might be in the bottom half of that lineup, doesn't matter as much. <laughs> And in arguably the sixth best hitters park in baseball in Dunedin, as it's projected to be at this point. So well the first two months of just, that, by the way, I know you. Trained. Oh, no, you know, what's funny. My wife's family actually grew up right outside of Dunedin. And it, I always make the same joke when we're at dinner. Like, are you Dunedin? Um, oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, so I love it down there. Uh, I'm the one that makes all the bad jokes, right, guys? I know, it's I know, just I know. me. I know. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So he and then ho- hopefully it's still a pretty good offensive park when he's up in Toronto. But yeah, I, I thought that was later, but I thought it was good. Yeah, I really like that one in the 10th round. Now, the three picks before it were Eugenio Suarez, Max Muncie, and Jose Barrios. So Suarez and Muncie, love these because, again, OBP League and you are padding home runs. Like, you you needed the help, essentially. Like, Betts and Marte allows you to go for Suarez and Muncie, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so I really like that. I, I'm a believer in Suarez. I'm a believer in Muncie, especially OBP, too. So the averages don't hurt as much as they normally would. Um, did you feel like a fist pump in the air when you got those guys? Oh, uh, there were there were it wasn't until like the 
11th or 12th round that I was like pissed that people were taken. I, I felt really confident about the draft at coming into Barrios just because mm-hmm. it's exactly what you said. I had the stolen bases. I had the OBP. I was just lacking in home runs, but essentially picking up, you know, 70 home runs with Alonzo and Suarez. That just got me really excited. And I love Muncie, not just because of the OBP, but because of that I, I'm just su- such a sucker for flexibility, right? Sure. Um, I, I just think that's real. Now, I do wonder if maybe I should have been less of a sucker in a weekly league. I wonder if that ends up mattering a little bit less because the best part about multi-eligibility in a daily is you can plug and play every single day. Right. But in a weekly, that's maybe not as beneficial. But with that said, all it takes is one guy to get injured and yeah, then I've does, got backups. It does give you more options for who to pick up on the wire. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so don't, don't underestimate that at all. Um, yeah, Barrios, I was initially surprised about. And essentially, mm-hmm. your theory was related to innings. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I I would not be surprised if he's a guy who gets 180 innings this year. Um, because and I don't I think those guys actually might not be as plentiful as we think. The twins do not have a team where they can rely on. A, they're not going to be a six man rotation. If they want to stay competitive in the AL Central, they're going to need to have him and Maeda go a bunch. Um so I don't know. I just thought it's going to be 185 innings. They're not going to kill me. There's some still some really good upside there. And the fact that he's my SP three doesn't need that. I need doesn't mean that I need to overtly rely on him. Like Darvish sure. Kershaw just sets it up where if Barrios struggles and is a low four ERA, high three ERA guy, as long as he's getting me innings, that's actually going to be fine. Yeah. Barrios. I, uh, I think, it, I think it's fine. I'm fine with it because like Barrios is not going to hurt your squad. No, like you're going to you're going to have him in and that's going to be good. It does make me think like Marcus Stroman, who went in the 14th, could be nearly close to the same thing yeah. as, as Jose Barrios, who went five rounds later. Uh, you did get also Sandy Alcantara in the 12th, which I very much like and I think will outperform Barrios um, even in this innings one, because I kind of feel like the Marlins are just going to let Alcantara pitch. You were um, definitely in my head on that pick for sure. Yeah, <laughs> good. Good. I wanted to be there the entire time, just kicking around um, <laughs> all the time. Um, and then you mentioned before you had um, we had Semi in the tenth, and then Jorge Soler in the eleventh round. So you're buying a bounce back there. Yeah, I still believe in the power, um, and I needed a guy who had more home run potential there. The home run potential was going to be super important for me there. Um, so yeah, I figured I'm going to take these home runs while I can. Cool. Uh, so yeah, we are going to speed through here because we're might go a little bit long on this podcast. Uh, Sandy Alcantara in the twelfth, uh, as we talked about, we we definitely listened to the thirty-one through forty podcast to get more about Alcantara. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon was a little bit of a surprise to me, um, but uh, but essentially, I'm, I'm imagining top of the Phillies lineup. He was hurt last year. Good bounce back candidate, and for an OBP league, there's some value. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. I mean, just keep with that OBP floor. Here, here's here's the the TLDR. We can rush through the rest of this. I mean, yeah. all of these, all of these, the way that I set my team up as it was happening that I didn't even realize. I think I set up with a really, really nice high floor, right? Sure. Like even if some of these guys don't hit, there's so much floor around there that it allows me to end up taking risks. You know what I mean? Like getting Liam Hendricks and Nick Anderson, and then. Um, I had another uh, Chris Martin. That's that's three guys who in a saves hold league are going to get me a lot of saves and holds. They're going to really keep my ERA down. They're going to really keep my whip down. And as a result, if I need to go stream a Mitch Keller for two or three weeks and he gets burned once or twice, 
that's fine. You know what I mean? So overall, I think I'm a little bit lacking in innings pitched, but I think that's a good place to be coming into the season, considering how heavy I'm going to be on the waiver wire or usually am. Um, I think I've got like nice floors all around. I think it's just a balanced team. There isn't a single category that I don't think I can be competitive in. So what you're saying is that you pulled out the rugs with how much of a floor you have now. Very nice. Yes. I yes. installed some nice hardwood floors. Yeah. Uh, and now all we have to. Yeah. We just have to see if I live in a shack or in a multi floor. Yeah, right. uh, uh, how uh, springy house. is it? So can you reach that ceiling? Um, yeah. The um, uh, a couple quick things. So what was your favorite pick? And I already know the answer to this. I think after the 15th round. Um, after the 15th round? Yes. Uh, you, I know exactly who you think it's going to be. It's, it's, uh, it has to be Aaron Savali. Yeah. In the it, 20th it, it, round. Yeah, that is like having... There is still so much ceiling there for Aaron Savali and getting him in the 20th round essentially says, okay, you're going to get his floor. You know what I mean? Like right. you're going to get a low, you're going to get a mid to mid four ERA in the Better 20th round. That. He had a sub four ERA save for his last start of the year last year and I believe he's still improving. Exactly. And I, I just think he's also another dude that I just don't see the uh, Indians babying or the Cleveland team, excuse me, I should say, uh, babying all that much. Right. Um, yeah. I, I still think, you know, because it's still at the top three is is what is Bieber, him and Plesak. So they'll, yeah. they'll maybe they'll go a little bit slower with McKenzie and then Cal Quantrill or Logan Allen. But so I think he gets a lot of innings. Uh, once again, just another dude that lets me to me, the biggest risk is Jamison Tyone. Like mm. if he blows up, then that's fine. I've got enough floor. But if Jamison Tyone looks anything like the way we think he can be, then uh, uh, great. We saw a hint of it yesterday, but it was 91, but it did get up to 93. And he's supposed yeah. to be 95, but it was seven pitches. And I believe it was taking it easy. So I'm not worrying about that whatsoever. I no. will say um, I'm surprised that you didn't go after what we I will say this is the kind of league that does reward your standard Toby a little bit more mm-hmm. because it is innings instead of wins. And if it's innings, then I go for a little bit more of the efficient guys that like a Mike Miner, for example, like so, Brady Singer, even. That's so funny. Mike Miner. I don't think he even ended up getting drafted. Did he? 27th round. He was in my queue every round after like the, like the 18th or 19th round. Mm. Like he, he was just there because I was like, okay, he's probably going to get a lot of innings. They might not be the best, but he, they're going to be like, okay innings. Right. So he was definitely back and forth in my queue. And then I think I was probably, oh, you know what I did? I ended up going with Lorenzen over minor yep. because Which I thought I to myself, ceiling is really fun. You can probably find the, you can find minor, right? I'm sorry yes, to you can. You. No, no, no. You, it's exactly as you said. You can find minor. At that point, I think I had enough of those kind of floor guys. It was it was okay for me to take a risk. And the other thing is, SPRPs have the potential to be huge in this uh, in this setting. And I'm not convinced that Lorenzen sticks in the rotation the entire year. But even if he doesn't, he's their long relief. He's the, you know he's coming in a few times a week um, with the potential to give me a lot of strikeouts. He could hurt the whip a little bit, but like I said, a good floor to build upon. So if you have like three relievers, which you do. Clayson mm-hmm. and Martin and um and Anderson, you can drop a third and get a minor. and Hendricks and Hendricks. Oh, Nick, no, I won't even hear it. Oh, that was amazing! Thank you so much. The best joke I'll make this entire podcast, and it's in the drop book. All right, yep. Um, okay. Griffin Canning in the last round, by the way, is pretty nice. That's too. fun. That's very yeah. fun. And hope I yeah. mean, you might get only a month of it, but who cares? You drop it twenty ninth round. It's yeah, all good. Cares? 
Um, yeah. You got some John Birdie in there, too. You got some Kyle Seeger. You have your two catchers, Jan Gomes and James McCann. Was there any regrets there, or do you feel kind of confident? No, I, I, yeah, I wish I could have gotten someone a better... Um, a catcher one like I, I I was a little too chicken and didn't pull the string on Gary Sanchez. And I think I had the OBP floor already set up that I could have. Mm. Um, but I think I think McCann and I think Gomes might be better than people think, because at this point for for catcher two, you're just looking for time. You're looking for the guy who's going to be the main guy there. Um, so I think I can get 10 home runs out of him and he won't kill me. But Birdie was just a guy where it was like he plays literally everywhere. He plays second base, third base and outfield. Right. Um, and he's a good guy for steals if I need him. Uh, Seager was just a guy where give me some more home runs if possible. Cool. And the very last ones uh, that we didn't mention, you have uh, Gene Segura in the 15th, which is, I think you mentioned was middle infield help, correct? Yep, correct. And just need that. started thinning out quickly and decided you know, well, I'll go for Gene Segura. Uh, Jesse Winker, Joey Votto, Avisail Garcia, uh, and Hunter Renfro. Is there anything you want yep. to bring up about those guys? Hunter Renfro, I just, I, every year I pray that it's the year that he starts every day and hits like 35 home runs, and he could do it in Fenway. He's back with the, essentially the Rays organization. Remember, he this could have been right, one right. of the guys who wanted to trade for Hunter Renfro when he was down in Tampa before moving up to Boston. Um, uh, the other two dudes that you said... Uh, obviously Garcia, I think he can have a bounce back. He could, I think he's also going to hit higher in that lineup and hit over 20 home runs. Jesse Winker, I think is really good in an OBP league. Joey Votto, I had to reach on because CJ Crone went a little bit earlier. I still think in an OBP league, once again, high, high, high floor. Right. And, and with Votto, I mean, is he in your starting lineup? Cause is that like a corner infield spot or? Yeah, I think he would be my corner infield, but I have so many multi-position guys yeah. that I don't even need him if he stinks. Cool. All right. Well, that is Alex Fast Tout Wars draft. I'm still smiling at my drop third joke. And we're going to move on to the 71 through 80 starting pitchers, right? Yes. Uh, and, and it's kind of funny because 71 fast, well, that one can change in like two weeks. I don't know yet. We're, we're just yeah. going to wait. Uh, do you? How do you feel about Domingo Hermann? Because that's who I have at 71. Yeah, he's someone that I'm probably just not dealing with the headache with. I'm going to let someone else figure out what's going on there. Because I think the other thing, too, is like he didn't even in his suspension time, uh, he didn't even train with the team. He was forbidden from training with the team. So I genuinely worry about how much he lost. I also, he's also a garbage person. But I also think from just a, a pitching perspective, I worry. Uh, and also, like, what's the lead there? What's the lead? With, considering how much depth they have between Clark Schmidt, between Michael King, between Debbie Garcia, between Luis Severino returning, how much are you anticipating that if Domingo Herman doesn't look the way he looks, he isn't losing well, some time? Right. Okay. So I, I would I will say that the depth of the Yankees isn't that deep. Um, Michael King, I don't really think they would want to give him significant innings in the majors. Clark mm-hmm. Schmidt has a setback, uh, so he's actually a little bit hurt at the moment. Um, you have Severino showing up at the all-star break if they're lucky. Uh, and then you also have Kluber and Tyone who, who knows how many innings you're going to get out of them. Sure. So, so Domingo Herman, I imagine will be at some point getting some <clears throat> chunk. It does seem at, like right now, Herman has the lead over David Garcia, but if Herman is, is struggling out of the gate, if he's not looking good in spring training, Davies impressing. This is the thing that can change. However, if if it is as it is now, Herman's curveball is really, really good. Uh, 2019, it led to his 105 whip and 27% strikeout rate in his first 15 starts, which is ridiculously good. Mm-hmm. 189 batting average allowed, 20% swing strike rate. He threw this pitch 
37% of the time. That's all curveball stats there. Amazing, amazing pitch, 48% zone rate. I think that will push him into relevancy, uh, especially in 12-teamers right out of the gate. And it's also for the Yankees, who will have that run support. He has The Yankees in general have just a slightly easier schedule uh, in the beginning. And if he is starting for them, I think I want Herman on my squad. But if it is David Garcia, I would just switch him with that. Herman didn't even go in your tout horse draft. David Garcia did in the last round, not Domingo. Mm. Uh, so we'll definitely see how that shapes up. But if you guys are wondering, hey, how's the list going to change or whatever in a couple weeks? It's It could be Herman. Yeah, but as you said, those spots are interchangeable in your mind. Debbie Garcia and Herman. Who, yeah, whoever gets that opportunity. I like them both, but I recognize that the Yankees probably won't be splitting time early. It's going to be one guy. Yeah, And if they're going to choose someone, it's probably Herman, who's done it for longer already, and Davey, who could theoretically, oh, they'll have, you know, they'll just put him back in the minors and they'll let them, you know, stew there or whatever uh, for some amount of time. But uh, you do make a good point that, like, we don't know how Herman is right now after the suspension yeah. and missing all this time. Great point. Uh, I, I don't know what we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. He's definitely one uh, a guy to monitor in spring training. Ironic, as we move on to number 72, I didn't know that you actually had him this high. Um, and that's that makes me feel very good. The guy who I ended up taking in tout, uh, Mr. Michael Lorenzen himself. Well, I mean, if you guys remember from the last episode, um, this is the tier, right? Continuing from, uh, I believe it's tier seven, no, tier eight. That's tier eight shots. Yeah. So I'm, I'm preparing myself to take a chance on something like out of the gate. Like, who do I think right away can make that impact and be impressive? He gets the Pirates first, and he had a 14.5% overall swing strike rate. Like, that's it. <laughs> that's the sell. If you're drafting in a 12-teamer, yeah, get Lorenzen at the end of your draft, start him in the first start, see how things are going. Uh, his slider and changeup both held a 25, 24% swing strike rate last year. That's really, really good. Two pitches. Missing bats at such a high frequency, and he can throw like 98 or whatever. It's kind of crazy. Um, even in his in Lorenzen's starts, it was 96 miles per hour as opposed to the 97 as a reliever on average. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I find myself con- consistently pushing Lorenzen up and up. Yes, this can fall apart. We're at the point that all of these guys can just not be relevant within a week or two. But these are the ones I'm putting some investment in early at the end of my drafts just to be like, okay, I'll take my first chances on you guys. Lorenzen is someone that you don't want to miss. Yeah, I I, I mean, I, I'll take it all day considering I just drafted him. I, I think, <laughs> you know those are all the positives. And I think there are a lot of really good positives, right? I mean, I think each individual pitch has such a nice, like fun movement profile to it. The thing that scares me is just the command, right? Just, the, just sure. having like, the, like he could just really blow up that whip. But like you said, yeah. he's a guy we're, we're at the tier to reiterate what we talked about in the last podcast. We're at the tier where, all right, give him two or three starts. And if he stinks, then, then go ahead and cut bait. There you go. And cutter and sinker are the problems there. You got to also think that like Lorenzen hasn't been doing this for too long. He's been trying to doing both things a bit and maybe, well, he was before, but it's kind of one of those cases of like, Oh, you're a starter now. Like maybe your command improves with that. Right. I mean, he's been bouncing around uh, quite a bit, but yeah, it's not like he just started pitching last year or something like that. But I, uh, but I don't know. He's like, this is like, hey, you're gonna try and be a starter now for the Reds. Like maybe that does help him get his command. 
So that brings us then to number 73, where he's a different, he's a difficult person to rank for different reasons. Um, and that is uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, who is healthy so far, which is awesome. Like, yes. that's the, that's the yeah. most important takeaway dealing with like heart issues. Um, so, yeah, wh- why did you? Uh, I- I'm here. I have my own personal method personal methodology as to why i ranked Rod over here yeah exactly uh but i before i get into that i would love to hear yours to see uh what you were thinking i actually had him higher wow i had him uh, a little bit higher um well okay so Eduardo rodriguez if you guys remember my rankings last year i had rodriguez around 60 like closer to that well i remember i think others were more aggressive on it and well it doesn't really matter like covid happened and changed everything but the reasons that I was down on Eduardo last year are still around because I've said it before, 2019 was not a good year if you rostered Eduardo Rodriguez. Sure, it was a 381 year rate and a 133 whip, which that hurts. But it was a lot worse for the first four months in change until he had a wonderful six or seven start stretch where six of them were enormously beneficial. And I think we don't realize that as a fantasy manager, you can't stick around that long. Uh, you just don't. You move on. You cut bait, right? And Eduardo is always going to be that volatile, undulating pitcher. He's a change-up focused guy that he can get swings on and get those uh, chases, but it's not always there. And if he doesn't have his four-seamer working that day, then there's nothing else in that repertoire. That cutter and slider are just not enough. Sometimes his sinker shows up, and it kind of did in that uh, end of 2019. I don't really trust that that's going to be as efficient of a pitch as it was then. It's been so long since, and it was just a small spurt of it. So that just makes a inconsistent pitcher that I'm never really going to feel <laughs> too confident about. Mm-hmm. But I can't imagine that Eduardo Rodriguez has a good start. Like he, he goes okay at the beginning and you're all right with it. But I, I really don't think that this is something that I'm going to last the full season with. It's, it's actually funny that you say that because I was actually thinking about the consistency that was there. Um, and that that's just the consistency in the metrics that uh, seem to show up for him in the past two years, right? Mm-hmm. Back-to-back years of 3.82 oh, or yeah. 3.81 ERA, a literally very similar FIP, almost identical walk rate, it's you know, crazy. very similar K rate, literally very similar swing strike rate. So the reason I brought that up is like, you know, well, I okay. essentially took that and I made it a little bit worse. And I was like, okay, that's what I think I'm getting from Erod in 2021. Well, okay. So like a, a, a cosine uh, a cosine wave is inconsistent, mm-hmm. but it's the average is the same. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Great. Right. But that's uh, so. Okay. So then, but then we're talking about more Roto versus head to head, right? Or maybe sure. Roto, you would bump him up a little bit more because of that. Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I yeah. would do that. I do think that you are going to see some great starts with Eduardo Rodriguez. You're going to see a lot that big in your head, and you're just not going to know what to do as a fantasy manager. It is so hard to keep the faith, you know, when it's going poorly. Uh, yeah, no, and, without a doubt. And you just don't know what you're going to get. So yeah. I'm just not, I'm not too sold. But hey, 73, I recognize that maybe it's good enough in the beginning that you want to hold at least for the first month or longer. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I get it. Uh, and I'm, I'm hoping he has a, a, a great um, season because oh, that would yeah. be a fun story. Um, number 74 is a guy that is super, super interesting to me, and I'm happy to see him on this list. One of the best CSW performers uh, overall last year. I believe he ended the year in the top 10. Uh, not on the best of teams, however, and that is Brady Singer at number 74. So what were you thinking there? So Singer has a slider and a sinker. His sinker gets a ton of called strikes, has seam shifted wake, and his slider isn't the big whiff pitch I need it to be. Right? He needs it to be. I want it to be. Right? He doesn't have a third offering that I really trust as a changeup, but it's not that thing. So mm-hmm. to me, Singer is a bit of a Toby. I do yeah. believe that the sinker slider are good enough to get through starts, but we have seen some inefficiency from him thus far. And while that sinker is incredibly good at getting called strikes early in counts, he has a terrible put away rate. Uh, and that's, I think, going to stick around. Uh, I actually don't even think he's going to keep that 23% strikeout rate he lost year. I think it's more like a 20% for a full year. Uh, I don't think his 260 Babip is going to stick around either, considering it's a sinker focused approach. And uh, generally, you see more balls in play, not finding gloves. Uh, with sinkers, but maybe it's such good seam shifted wake that it's avoiding the barrel enough. I uh, will see there, but this is a Toby pick. And I think it's someone that, I mean, some people love Brady Singer and some people just don't even really care for Brady Singer. I'm in the middle where like, you should care about him. I know about him. I don't <laughs> care that much, but I do kind of care. Yeah. You know, that, that's I it. think so like he has a good early start. I think against the Rangers, maybe. And I'm like, hey, all right. OK, cool. cool. With me. I wonder if he ends like, is this just like the Royals MO where they have guys with just two good pitches, one that's really good mm-hmm. and one that's OK. And like it, it like it seems like this keeps happening with Jacob Junis, with Brad Keller. Like there's always a and like I, I just don't know if Singer. I really love that combination. I do think that sinker slider combination can be really good and he can induce a lot of weak contact and pick up the whiffs. I definitely agree that the K rate I think can come back down, but I just worry about like, I don't, I think maybe we saw the ceiling last year and we're going to see a little bit more of the floor this year. And I don't know. Yeah. I mean, look, this literally could be as simple. It actually is the Tigers, by the way, not the Rangers. Like you start singer for the Tigers and just kind of go from there. Like that's what you should be doing. Your draft. Like this is what happens every year when you draft your team. You draft it and then you have like a week or three days before the start of the year. And then you start looking actually at the start of the year. Like, okay, am I going to start this guy against that? Like, oh, oh, wait, I could get that guy against that one. Oh, yeah, I want that more than this other guy I just drafted at the end, whatever. And I'll replace it. Mm-hmm. And then you make those moves before the season starts. Well, this is me just saying, no, just draft that guy initially. He gets the Tigers. I would like to stream Brady Singer against the Tigers. Yeah. Ta da, yep. 74. 74. I love it. Uh, 75. You had a really funny tweet about today. I believe he was. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, oh, yesterday. Yeah. Excuse me with his uh, sweet new mustache. And that's uh, Garrett Richards. Yeah. He looked like the neighbor from uh, Office Space. Office Space. Was, was Lawrence, if I remember correctly. No, Oswald. Mm. Uh, that was it. And Andrew Heaney liked it, which made me really, really happy. Yeah, that's great. That, that, that's great. I'm happy that Garrett and, and Andrew Heaney are still buds. Uh, but I. Uh, but yeah, I didn't like what I saw from Richards yesterday, though. It was it was the volatile self that makes us scared about Garrett Richards. But hey, maybe he gets that in rhythm by the time. Like, I'm not going to... Like, I think we talked about it yesterday. We are not going to negatively uh, take spring training numbers against the guy, but we will take positive things for the most part. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so yesterday, like, yeah, okay, you're not being in in regular season form yet that's fine because that's spring training sure so i'm not really going to react to get richards uh from yesterday but yeah i mean i think we all recognize it's a contract year essentially he's doing a one-year deal with the red sox this is his year to prove that he can throw a ton of innings and be an effective starter uh the padres were kind of weird with him but they were also playing really competitive games by the end of the year and with richards well he's on the red sox and as much as we want the red sox to be good I don't think the rotation is good enough that they're going to be playing many meaningful games come September. Uh, so that means for me that Richards is actually will well has a chance if he can stay healthy to pitch 180 even um, for the Red Sox. But that's just a question of health and and everything. Yeah. Like like the Red Sox are not going to say like oh no you've had too many innings we're done. No, uh, I don't think that's going to happen. So no, we'll I, see, I'm not going to we'll see what happens there. I'm not concerned about the leash there at all. I, I mean, you just have to underline the innings because of the injury, like over and over right. and over again. That, oh, right, that, right, that's, right. yeah. I mean, but do I, you like, know I the, would rather have that than the leash overall. If that makes sense, because then once the injury happens, you just let him go. Sure. I, I, this is you know, I'm not digging in the point, but do you know the last time he threw over a hundred innings? 2015. Yes, 2015. That's that's a very long time to not yeah. have thrown over two hundred innings. That is it was really absolutely fun. insane. It was. I remember making gifts in that in those days of Richards and just oh, it was so great. Those he has a pop the gun curveball that that like the, the Angels broadcast would do in slow motion. You can really see the the when I say pop the gun, what happens? You throw it with your middle finger and your index finger goes up. Mm. Pop the gun. And it just loops all the way in. It's this lovely slow breaking ball. Ugh. Yeah. Hope he can get that back. He, uh, I will say this. If he does stay healthy through spring training, I believe it's back to back starts against the Orioles pretty much for, for his first, or he definitely gets one of them. Um, yeah. That uh, would be wonderful. I would, uh, that, I think that's probably why I have Richards at 76. Uh, let me, let yeah. me just confirm that. I think I know I wrote that. Yeah. It does look like that. If he is the number three for the Red Sox, that would get Baltimore in Baltimore. Yeah, that's yeah. that does not stink. That does not think. And that's actually going to wrap it up for this tier, too. That does it for tier number eight early shots, which brings yes. us to tier number nine. <laughs> I want to like them. I All right. So this is I, I, this is essentially my tier being like, I know that I'm lower than other people and I'm really yeah. sorry. And like maybe I mean, I could easily be wrong with all of these. Okay. The first one is Marco Gonzalez. Hey, it's that time. Um, you, where do you have Marco Gonzalez? I have him higher because of uh, my own reasons about innings, and um, I, I, I have him at fifty-four. Okay, so a couple quick things. Okay. One, innings. It's a six-man rotation, which inherently bites into the ceiling from Marco Gonzalez, and it's not one of those six mans that, like, yeah, they don't last. It will last in Seattle. They did it mm-hmm. all of last year. They've made it a thing. We are doing six innings. Okay. That inherently, that's a problem. The second, I don't know. I mean, we've seen we've seen guys in the past have like normal, you know, 3.9 ERA, 4 ERA seasons, and then for like two months have a three and change ERA. Like we've mm-hmm. seen this so many times. It's why we have a thing called the Vargas rule. And we just got a shortened season last year. I am not in belief that that Marco Gonzalez is the next Kyle Hendricks. <laughs> I've watched his starts. I've watched, like, he's not overpowering guys. He's making a lot of mistakes. I watched an entire start against the Rangers 
and I like with every single pitch and everything, and it's just that's a terrible offense. And they you know they couldn't hit these sinkers that like right down the middle, and it was just it was pain in many ways uh, because like I felt pain for Gonzalez as he would throw these pitches, and somehow it worked out. Um, I I don't see enough changes. I know that there were some slight improvements with with his release point, uh, but I don't see enough there in this repertoire that makes me think, oh, you know, he doesn't have like Kyle Hendricks's changeup, for example. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't have that. And I don't see a 23% strike. Are you kidding me? He doesn't even hint at a 10% swing strike. It's like an 8%. So at the end of the day, like, let's say I'll even give to everybody that it's a 375 ERA, right? You're going to get, I think, a sub 20% strike array along the way. I mm. think you're going to get a whip that's probably like 1-2 or so. And this isn't terrible. Like a 375 ERA 1-2 whip is not a actually does help you but i i don't really like i just don't see any sort of path to like repeating last year for a full season and um and the early season schedule is bad for marco gonzalez the giants that are actually not a bad offense then the twins which are a great offense (laughs) then you get your orioles that should be good leave him alone and then he has to get the Red Sox. You said it. They don't stink or whatever. Yeah. That doesn't stink going against them. They get the Red Sox. And it's like, I get, I guarantee you, I, I'm so willing to say this. Four weeks into the season, after four starts with Marco Gonzalez, you're going to look at this and go, why why did I do that? You're going to be so frustrated at this. I hear you. I think it's a very valid argument. My counter argument is he's, he, I think he's a better command guy than people give him credit for. He is like perpetually, uh, like the past like three years, one of the best dudes in terms of command. He like constantly showed up in like top 10 command lists for me. And he has so much success with that sinker, putting it in the zone. He had, he had the best Woba on in zone sinkers last year, better than Brandon Woodruff, better than Luis Castillo. When he, so th- that means that there's something happening with that sinker that, it, maybe it's extremely hard to time and not time it, just to see. Maybe there's some really late break to it that's making it do what it's doing. But I mean, he has success. The numbers say he's having success when he's yeah, putting it in well, the zone. He, well, in 2020, in a smaller sample. Yeah, but no, but yeah. then the larger but, sample in command is a three year sample. Sure. And the 2019, 2018 was, was a Toby you can find on a wire easily. Like that mm-hmm. was 1.3 whips and above. You know, like and like an ERA around four and not a 23% strikeout rate. I, that's who I think Marco Gonzalez still is. I don't think mm-hmm. that the, the last year was like he did all these massive changes that has like now he's a new guy and we have to think of him in a new way. I just don't see that. You know, it, yeah, I just, yeah, it's not enough. That's all. I just don't think a four ERA with like a 19% swing strike rate or a 19% K rate. Uh, and the potential to have those innings. I just don't think that, I think that allows you to get Mitch Keller. You know what I mean? It allows you to in a get those other teamer, dudes. In a 12-teamer, mm-hmm. I don't want a roster. I don't want to draft that. I don't draft Tobies. Yeah. I just don't. And the only one that I would really consider is Dallas Keuchel, who I think has a higher chance and a better whip, a better ERA, more innings, and more wins. 
Okay. Yeah. Very valid points. Valid points all around. Uh, now, how far the the mighty have fallen? Yeah. You used to. This man yeah. used to be in a very different tier. I it's used be- to have to be the one who would say, "Why do you like him?" And now here <laughs> we are on Andrew Heaney, uh, number seventy-seven. I want. I when I when I title this, I you liked your like tweet, them. Nick. I know you liked your tweet. I love. I love watching Andrew Heaney when he's good. It's such a beautiful thing. I talk about pitch separation a lot with him because when he gets his fastball up and his curveball and change up down, like it's a pure triangle dancing around the strike zone and it's gorgeous. And the the problem here is that he has never had a sub four ERA. He's had a home run problem. Maybe he improves this year. I think he's going to be a hipster in many ways of you just don't know like is if you're safe starting him like i don't know if we'll get to a point where we feel like no andrew heaney has figured it out and i feel confident starting him on a given night that that's that's just the issue let's bring back to the uh, sorry go ahead yeah yeah go let's bring back to the to the do are you more interested in roto is he another cosine guy that like over it just kind of evens out or if even you there. Are, if you find yourself being like, I need to get strikeouts and a better whip, yes. Because his whip has never been never been 1.3 and his strikeout rate is 25%. But he will pull down on ERA. And it's also, again, I got to emphasize this. You have to keep the faith with a guy. Like, like You can't just look at a projection and just go, oh, okay, this is what I'm getting for the year. Tell that to your June 2nd self who is now dealing with like a 4.75 ERA and a 1.32 whip and like a 23% K rate. Like, no, no, the projection said this. That means he's going to correct it. I don't know. Like, that, that is hard. That is a hard truth to come to. And uh, it, it, it's, it's going to mess you up. Uh, I want to be wrong. I want this to be the year that Andrew Heaney puts it together. I haven't even mentioned the fact that he has not been able to stay on the field. Yep. Andrew Heaney has struggled when it comes to getting innings and, uh, and getting volume. So this is the other side of the coin with from Marco Gonzalez of like guys that I just don't want to go after this year. One is a Toby that is just like, I trust me, if you want someone like Marco Gonzalez this year, you will find him on the wire. We mm. will find him for you. You don't need to draft that out of the gate. With Andrew Heaney, this is a guy that can drag you down despite wanting it to work out like he can he can he can hurt a lot and it's gonna be tough are you okay i'm hurt <laughs> i know god i feel it in your voice i'm hurt man i, I, I want, understand it uh, i just want it to be great but i, can't I understand do i do think it's very i remember our last board bet about andrew heaney where i was like he's gonna stink over the next couple starts and you're like no he's gonna hit his stride and then he got hurt uh, <laughs> we couldn't even see if it happened. By the way, shout out to Kyle, Kyle Seiler, who actually made the board bet. Yes. So, he Kyle, listening to this, keep doing that. You're awesome. Dude, you are the man. That is yes. awesome. Thank you so thank you. much. Seriously. For, thank for, you. for remembering the board bets that we say in these podcasts and actually yes. putting them inside the Discord. <laughs> Nick and I just go into a zone when we record and we don't remember anything that we said. Nope. Um, all right. So, we're going to move on to our final three here. Uh, we're going to start with number 78. I, I'm with you on this one. I actually think I have him maybe even. Uh, no, actually, I have him at 76. Uh, Ooh, how dare I you? <laughs> I don't even know. I, yeah, I know. Can you believe it? Oh, he's a sleeper. Um, I. So what, what are your thoughts on Christian Javier? I mean, it, it's two things really quickly. One, um, he's, he, he doesn't have stamina. 
in starts, you'll even see it like it comes out firing 93 and sometimes maybe 94 and then loses it to 91 through the start. Um, the second thing is that his repertoire doesn't breed confidence. I really like his breaking ball. I actually do think that there is more to untap with it, but we haven't seen it quite yet. And his fastball, like that first start against the Dodgers was really wowing me. It wasn't the best camera angle with the Astros, so I couldn't really mm. get a good sense of it. it was too high up. But I, uh, but it's just, yeah, it's just not a, um, it's not a mixture of something that I want to trust for Javier long term. Essentially, I don't really see enough of that ceiling. It's not something I can really believe in out of the gate. But I can recognize that if Javier gets some, like you know, gets those Rangers, gets the Mariners, etc., like I would be comfortable starting Javier in those opportunities. Uh, Javier had a 7.32 Woba on his changeup against lefties. Yeah, I didn't even I, mention I, the changeup because it's like it shouldn't be non-existent. I, I don't, but I also it's he doesn't he can just get righties out. It seems mostly at the time, mm. um, and maybe that changes. Like I, I don't know what it is. Like I don't know if I just need to trust Brent Strom more. But I think every time I look at someone in the back end of that rotation between Fran Valdez, Jose Arquiti, and Christian Javier, I struggle to see some of the things that the other people see, and I could very very well be wrong about that. And maybe that's just a biasy of mine. But I, I don't know. So I, I'm with you. I just like. I just am not as in as other people are. I, I'm fighting my brain right now. I'm seriously doing this because I'm thinking of like, I, I remember doing the gift breakdown of Christian Javier uh, the day after I want to say Sixto. And people okay. like, I think Javier de- debuted the same night or there's someone else I did like do Javier now next. I was like, all right. Okay. Whew. Add some more coffee, you know? Yeah. And I, and I have this distinct memory as if like, the camera angle was so bad that I'm literally sitting in the bleachers and, and like the upper deck between first base and home plate, like looking at Javier. Like that is how like my perception of that camera angle of like, I can't tell how good these fastballs are or not. Yeah. Yeah. I, I literally can't envision the camera angle instead of placing myself in the upper deck. I'm struggling, I know. We got... Okay, Jesus. All right, let's finish this up before Nick completely breaks in half. Um, uh, Number 79 coming in with... I I think if I recall correctly, this guy's sinker was the best CSW pitch in baseball. I think it might have been the best CSW pitch in baseball because of the absurd amount of called strikes it gets, and that's Chris Bassett. I think Aaron Nola's curveball was that, but Bassett is up there. Oh, Bassett's up there. I know he's definitely top five. Yeah, Um, That's the thing, that Bassett really only has that sinker. Uh, yeah. Sometimes the cutter shows up and it gets strikes, but it really is just that sinker. And I will say I am pr- impressed that he's had over a 20% strikeout rate, um, mm. but he's too close to a Toby. And that's just the problem. You know, he hasn't uh, had a whip above uh, 125 since 2016, which is great. It's just, it's just not enough there for me to like, I, I, I think a lot again of us in season like and with Chris Bassett on your team, you're going to be thinking, oh, do I get rid of him or do I go after someone else? And that's the Toby. And you're going to have that feeling a ton. And here's the biggest problem. It's the Houston Astros and the Dodgers to start the year. So when I talk about a Toby, I'm okay going after them a lot when it's an okay matchup to start. We can ease into this relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Bassett, I'm not going to start him against those two teams. And yeah. if I'm drafting someone, I'm not starting their first two games. Um, like, yeah. why am I drafting them? 
Yeah. So I, I'm not, especially I because mean, he's probably going to be dropped by the person who does draft him. Yeah. Like I just uh, I, don't put yourself in that position. Um, the only person that I would even consider doing that is like John means who might get like the Yankees in Red Sox or something like that. I'm like, don't worry. Long-term John means very much worth it. That's like a stash, but the reward ultimately for Chris Bassett, like it's not there. Okay. I also, well, okay. I don't know uh, if I feel the same about the next guy. I don't necessarily like him for other reasons. And that uh, is number 80 uh, who we're going to wrap up today with. And that is Nate Pearson. Um, I, I had him, uh, pretty low as well. I had him at 82 and he was one of the guys that I got some of the biggest kickback on, uh, which was a little bit surprising because to me, I don't think Nate Pearson is going to get the innings. I don't think he's ever been stretched out to be a starter. I don't think he's ever thrown a hundred innings in his like entire career across multiple levels. Um, I worry about his velocity breaking down over the course of his starts. As you, as you said, stamina with um, Christian Javier. Yeah. Um, I like, I genuinely don't know if, like, I don't think it's going to happen this year because of they have Kirby Yates, but it wouldn't surprise me if two years, if we we're like, oh, Nate Pearson's one of the best relievers in baseball. But like, I, I just don't know uh, if I trust that. Right. And uh, I have him at 80 because we have no idea what, what what's in store for Nate Pearson. Is he even going to go long in games if he does start? Like, is this just like a four and change pitcher? Because it's a fastball and a slider. And that's kind of it. Uh, maybe that change up too, but... He isn't a finished product when it comes to starting, and it's going to be a lot of volatility. We, I very much recognize the ceiling here. This guy, this is a guy that can go like seven innings and just go, whoo, mm. and just dominate. But I, I think we're holding out too much for a guy. If he does get that rotation spot right away, I would maybe take a shot and just say like, all right, let's just see how he performs in that first start. But my instinct is that, yeah, this is likely not going to work out, and there's also the fact that he hasn't got a lot of volume because he's had constant injuries as well. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm sitting out. He's also a fly ball pitcher in Dunedin. Uh, you know what I mean? He's, he's a fly ball pitcher in Dunedin who you don't really want, right? right. That, that means the ball is going to be flying out of the yard. This is a guy, and it's not just last year, right? You could look at him and be like, Oh, it's a small sample size. Throughout his career, he's been like a 45% fly ball sure. rate guy. So that's going to keep happening. And I don't want fly ball guys in that park against those AL East offenses. Um, so, yeah, I, I I think there's just too many risks there for me when it comes to Pearson. You know, I I, I will say that in general, I do like his mechanics. Like, mm. I don't think it's as volatile as I've seen with other hard throwing guys. Like, I think that Pearson can be in control with how he throws. Uh, it's just there isn't enough there for me to feel like he has a deep enough repertoire and that like he's not so polished with that fastball slider yet Mm -hmm. oh yeah he can go six innings the blue jays are going to be relying on him a ton and then the volume questions and he probably won't go over 150 innings i'm like yeah you know what i'm just not gonna just not gonna deal with it yeah i don't to be honest i don't see him even going over 100 personally um i just don't um okay that's it that's it. Fast. That's it. We did it. Yeah, we, that was a good one. That was a fun one. Unbelievable. Um, all right. That is going to do it for episode number 247 of On the Court of the Official Patrolist.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast. And I'm Nick Pollock. And we'll talk to you guys next week.